It's been 117 days since I've been able to say this, but a U.S. Disney park is officially open. We're going through the good, the bad, and everything in between. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James and continuing to join us live from the Hall Cave, where he spent the week figuring out if only waiting 10 minutes to ride Big Thunder Mountain actually does keep you safe from COVID-19, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news, happenings, and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, we always like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, though, his opinions are fully his own. Hey, man, happy opening day, dude. Oh, yeah. So much news. So much uh, so much bombardment from uh, Disney itself, too, <laughs> to let you know they're open. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> they're making sure that everyone knows. Everyone's getting hyped up. Everyone's starting to get those like warm and tinglys from, uh, from the magic being back. But yeah, man, we are recording this on Saturday, which means that both the Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom parks are now officially open. So just just right off the bat, Henry, you know, we've been following this throughout the entire week as, as things have been slowly opening up and we're starting to get some news to trickle out. But just what is your kind of quick summary on how things have been going and how things went today, especially? Well, I mean, from what I could tell and from everything I've read, it's like it it opened there was no major flaws, uh, some, but it is also some things have changed. You know, it is, it is, yeah. it is what it is due to the COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely very clearly been some pretty heavy cuts. You know, we've been discussing a lot of what we were going to expect leading up to all of this. But this was really the first time this week that uh, that we got this full picture of how all of these adjustments and cuts were actually going to all mesh together. And if really that was going to still provide a, a, a very magical experience, sounds like in many ways it did. And, and there was definitely some ways that that perhaps it didn't. I think my general take on it was was this it was this mix of kind of organized chaos and and just really trying to make something special happen. So it sounds like generally it did, but uh, but we'll get into it for sure. And so while this is the opening day for both of those parks, we did also earlier in the week already have cast member and AP preview days to help ease everyone back into this new reality that we've uh, that we've found ourselves in. So obviously, anything that's specific to the general public experience from today is still coming in hot. We're going to talk about as much as we already know. We've been trying to pull together as, as many different kind of uh, day one reports and experiences from today, especially as possible. But uh, but a lot of the logistics and changes that have happened throughout each park, uh, we were still able to to pick up a lot of these during these uh, during these specific preview days. So um, so what kinds of these new changes and procedures were we introduced to? Well, 
I mean, it starts at park arrivals, right? So guests are able to enter whatever park you have a reservation for at any time during its posted operating hours. So we were a little bit confused, or maybe not necessarily confused, but there was a bit of a question in terms of, you know, on your reservation, when you went and reserved your specific park, there is that entry time selection. And right now it's only when the park opens, it's just one selection that you would make, but it's, it wasn't clear initially, well, does this mean that I have to go in, you know, at a specific entry time or can I enter at any time? The answer is anytime the park is open, feel free to just make your way over. Um, also, we now know that only the main entrance of each park will be open for arrival. So those kinds of cool shortcut side entrances like Epcot's International Gateway, it's not currently an option. So you have to aim for that main entrance in each park. There are also no restrictions on exiting and re-entering that same day. So feel free to go back to your hotel, take a rest, maybe go get a bite to eat at one of the other restaurants at one of the resorts, um, and you're welcome to come back. The one restriction is that your entire party that's part of your reservation has to all enter at the same time. So if you're splitting up, uh, if one if one part of your group is leaving and the other part staying, uh, you, you may not necessarily be able to have that half of the group that's leaving enter back in without that other half joining at some point. And that for the most part, all of these health and safety screenings that we've been talking about um, sounding pretty effortless. I've picked up a couple of different stories. It sounds like, you know, they do do that. Uh, they have that temperature check right at the entrance. And then once you're through that, you know, if you don't have a big heavy bag, then you can pretty much just walk through the scanners uh, and there isn't necessarily, if it's just like a smaller personal bag, you may not different. You may not even necessarily have a bag check. If you do have that larger bag. They do have a secondary screening station table set up so that you open it up. And then there's a cast member, a security guard behind looked like some kind of uh, plexiglass that had a flashlight. You were the one that did the opening of your bag. They looked in with that flashlight. They may ask you to move things around or pull stuff out. But in general, you're the only one that's going to be handling your bag. So that's that was big for me. I was very nervous. I had heard some of the cast member previews. And, and even I think I heard a report from the AP, one of the AP preview days, that there was a cast member going through people's bags without gloves. So that freaked me out. That's not exactly something I'd be looking forward to when uh, when entering the park. So I was very happy to hear that this is kind of a, a touchless experience, at least in terms of other people handling your stuff. Yeah, that uh, that's uh, good news for sure. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a nightmare, especially with no gloves, like having somebody just handling all sorts of people's stuff. You just never... You never really know. And I think I'm more than more than ever. I think everyone's on high alert. So good times there. Uh, and so for transportation, social distancing is being practiced for cars in all lots. So every other space is currently being used. And when it comes to those lots, because there isn't any park hopping at the moment, whatever park you're going to for the day. So if you have a reservation for the uh, Magic Kingdom, you have to park in the Magic Kingdom lot. 
may not necessarily have uh, have the ability to get anywhere else. You know, that monorail, at least for now, running between Magic Kingdom and Epcot, also not in operation. So uh, that's not going to happen. So you have to park exactly where your reservation is. And currently that tram service that would take you from the parking lot to the gates of the park is suspended. So you're going to have to hot foot it from wherever you're parked all the way to the entrance. So you're getting things moving. That blood is pumping early on in the day for you. So maybe a little extra incentive to arrive a little bit early so that uh, you're not caught in that Orlando heat. So when it comes to the parks themselves, though, things are sounding pretty well structured. Uh, generally things are sounding like it is very low capacity. I know that cast member previews and AP days were very, very low, extremely low, just like empty park almost. Uh, that was not the case for today and for just general population. When that opened up, it sounded like things did get a little bit more busy, but still completely manageable social distancing markers and hand sanitization stations were everywhere. Um, and also mask wearing, of course, heavily enforced throughout the park. They had that PA system running a message every so often. Um, they had they had uh, cast members on hand to just kind of keep an eye on things. I, I didn't read any reports of people that noticed other guests not wearing masks. So it sounds like generally that rule was followed. Um, the one kind of sketchy report that I did see was actually from uh, theme park reporter extraordinaire Carly Wiesel, who did have a on her it was her Instagram stories uh, this morning at the at the ticket entrance. It was like a very narrow walkway in order to get in there. And so the cast members kind of crowded everyone into a single line. And so her kind of take on it was that people, there just wasn't a lot of social distancing. And if people were walking by, they were not uh, six feet away from you. So her general take on just all of these new procedures was that generally, if it's something that is planned for, if it's something that's like waiting in a queue for a ride, Everyone is very good about it, and you know there's a really good policy around it. It's when maybe uh, the park tries to ad lib a little bit, and in this case, they were telling everyone like, "Oh, you have to get out of this one area, kind of all shuffle over here." And in that case, it's just like you know, people aren't exactly sure what they're supposed to be doing, and so it sounded like perhaps this was one of those small little kinks that hopefully is going to be worked out over the next few days, hopefully for sure the next few weeks. But, uh, but yeah, it was really the only report that I saw, um, that uh, from this, from this general opening day today of, uh, of maybe not the best social distancing, everything else sounded like it was pretty good. Yeah, I, I could, I could believe that. I mean, it makes sense that like, uh, if there's no like real guide there or anything like that, you know, people have a tendency to like not be minding social distancing very well or at all in some cases, you know, uh, I mean, I, you see this in the store when I go to the store, like yeah. you know, there's clearly like, if there's no kind of like markers on the ground for you, where you should be standing, people just forget that they need to be, uh, distancing themselves from others. And then, uh, so I can completely believe this. I mean, you know, you're trying to, do your best and we i think one of the things we should also consider 
with all this stuff too is that i imagine this first group these at least for this the earliest uh, part of this, uh, the openings, whatnot, you probably are going to have the people who are going to maybe mind this, all the rules, the best, since they are the definitely the people who want to go the most and are trying to right. do, you know, are probably going to, like, as we go on, I think this could get messier for sure. Really interesting. Well, I mean, just because people are showing up and they're maybe not as it's a little more it's a little more free form. Yeah, I think it, what happens is, I mean, it, this is kind of the thing with a lot of times with, let's say, like, if you go to, like, a big movie that's got a, a big fan base, usually that first opening weekend, you've got all the hardcore fans so they all want to see the movie so i mean they may cheer at moments but for the most part they're probably also going to be quiet uh throughout through the movie for the most part but as you go like later on like two weeks later (laughs) after you know you you got the uh you got the casual fans or the people who are just maybe just want to a date night movie they're watching it and they're not as invested in the movie as the hardcore fans are so they're going to talk more they're not as interested in it they just want a good time and that's what i think you're going to have is that after this you get these first groups you get people who want to have a good time but they're not the hardcore fans they don't they don't have the kind of mentality that we need to make sure that this works out or else it's going to be shut down again. They're just there for that one time. And they really just care more about themselves about having the good time and if they're comfortable or not. Yeah. 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 I mean, it'll, it will definitely be interesting to see how things go. I mean, for sure, uh, you know, because this is like, you know, uh, earlier in the week, AP holders and uh, cast members. So for sure, those are only the the kind of hardest of the hardcore there. But, uh, and then, you know, even right now, we're still at a point where, you know, I imagine a lot of people that are going are locals. That's probably where you have, you know, the most of just general population people are either they live in the immediate area or not so distant area where it's possible to do, you know, an, an easy trip. They're not necessarily flying in from across country per se, but, uh, but, um, but, uh, but also, you know, it, I almost feel like, and we've talked a little bit about this, but just the way that they've restricted everything with passes and reservations and have really gone out of their way to communicate that, like, this is going to be a very abnormal experience and you know it's almost just sort of like they haven't actively communicated it i've heard plenty of other bloggers and vloggers and influencers that that are that either have been there or just kind of gearing up to go there and the general message is basically like you know it, unless you're really bought into this experience don't come like don't plan on coming try to try to push off your vacation because so much of what people oftentimes associate with the disney vacation just isn't happening right now and it really is a a a big hassle just to get there right so 
you know, it will be interesting to see if that deters people at all, or if, you know, you're right that it does get to that point where people just kind of throw caution into the wind and show up thinking that it's just kind of a normal park day. I get the feeling like it, it would be very difficult for that to be the case. Like they've really, whether it's the messages that are on the, you know, PA system or it's the temperature checks or it's the staff, um, the cast members kind of constantly walking around, making sure people are doing what they're doing uh, and, and following the rules. You know, it seems like that they're actively very much communicating this, but I mean, you're right. Eventually, eventually it'll get to a point where, you know, maybe, maybe people get a little more lax to this, uh, to this new way of, of Disney life. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the time period of where that actually happens is, I doubt it would be like next week or it may be not even right. like a month from now. Cause right now, like you said, it, you're jumping through hoops to, to make it out there. And you're more likely at this point, you, like you said, you're, you live close enough that you can make this trip relatively easy and you you probably know i mean if you're in florida you should really know (laughs) what's going on right now and how like detrimental it is that you like are following certain procedures and whatnot um but like i think you know potentially i think this may even be just because of the, the situation like i think that you know as far as like my analogy with a, a movie, like, yeah, that's two to three weeks. Well, the two to three weeks for, for this time of the type of opening and this type of, of situation may not be for two to three months or more than that. Yeah. So, yeah, but, for sure. I mean, this, this reservation system that they have in place is going through September, 2021. So plenty of time for, I guess, that to happen, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully, I mean, I don't think it would be on Disney's part, like if for failure of this, I think usually I think, I think if anything, it's just people like going and then somebody just gets tired of dealing with this stuff and then they just throw a fit and then we start to see these like, like videos uh, showing up of somebody just throwing a fit because they have to wear a mask at Disneyland. It's like, no, duh. Like, I mean, you should have known this before going. But uh, yeah, I mean, at least from what we're hearing now, it's it's sounding really good. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's one would hope that by the time that they hit that point too that all of these gaps that that did show up where, you know, maybe cast members were requesting people to move into a certain area that made social distancing really difficult, that those kinds of situations would be clarified and they'd have more preparation for it. Because you're right, it makes sense that, you know, we are going to see these areas that that are going to show up. And as you're usually very quick to point out, in a situation where you're dealing with you know, uh, uh, guests and a lot of different guests that have all these various different ways of reacting and interacting that certain areas that you weren't prepared for might start showing up. 
So totally, it's like, it makes sense that you're going to see a lot of that right now, but it is incumbent on them to get all of those areas identified now so that later on, when maybe you do start seeing some of those troublemakers or people that maybe a little more quick to let their guard down, that they're able to very quickly button up that situation and mitigate it so that it doesn't become a bigger issue. And, you know, Disney's always about trying not to let those situations impact everyone else's vacation. So that's all part of it, right? Like nothing's yes. going to make anybody feel any worse than if someone is like, if they're next to somebody that's like freaking out without a mask on. Yeah. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. I think Disney's really good at defusing situations for the most part. Uh, it's, it's rarity that they don't know or don't have a procedure to take care of something. Uh, so I think uh, the good thing is, is I think they, they're getting all this stuff, this information now. So the, hopefully the Disneyland op reopening will go even smoother and we won't have these issues of, you know, moving people because they're going to need to be more buttoned up because I mean, with uh, Disney world, you can be more, uh, you have more control over things. Whereas at Disneyland, you're not going to have as much control of the entrance as you do. But uh, yeah, it's also much less of a spread out park. So, yeah, they got to be very careful about those tight walkways and areas where you might have bottlenecks. So for sure, it's good to good to develop those now. So uh, another major area that we saw in uh, in this reopening that was present in uh, in these AP previews and also present today is this push for mobile food ordering. Uh, it is pretty much at, at almost every kind of certainly quick service establishment uh, throughout the park. But, you know, they're pushing it to the point where even, you know, I saw like uh, Cosmic Rays at, at uh, Tomorrowland, for instance, is only letting people in after they've placed that quick uh, service or mobile order. So once it's time for you to, once it gives you the notification that your order is ready and it's time to pick up, that's when they're actually letting you into the establishment. So, uh, so yeah, there's just like a lot of very heavy restrictions where they're really forcing and funneling people into doing that mobile order. I think generally I saw that most places do have a walk up and place an order station, but that it was oftentimes only one. So, you know, it, it just really seems like, uh, the smart thing to do is ensure that that's all set up. Something that if you're in Disneyland, you're you're probably a little more used to than Disney World. It's still still not something that's as heavily done, um, but uh, but it should be because man, mobile order even even uh, in the simpler times of pre-COVID concern, uh, mobile food order was the way to go. Man, I would never go to Bengal Barbecue any other way. <laughs> well, I myself have not used the mobile ordering just because oh. a lot of times we're just kind of always, well, I mean, I guess I could, I think, uh, certain places we definitely could, uh, yeah, dude, you're high, you're too busy high rolling it at uh, cafe Orleans and blue Bayou all the time. You're, you're table service only. <laughs> uh, most of the times actually that is the, the 
the true, but, uh, th- yeah, that wasn't a joke. I meant that fully <laughs> honestly, man. Like you, you very rarely do you step down with the, uh, common folk like us. Well, to be fair, we, we do eat there, uh, but most of the times we're eating outside the park. So uh, yeah. most of the times we go to the Pizzatarian. Uh, my wife loves that place. and to, I mean, she loves pizza, period. So uh, it's quick and easy to get right there. And it's fairly inexpensive. So uh, Pizza press, baby. Uh, I mean, pizza press is okay, but it's a little little hoity-toity for us. We just want the quick... Hey, we went into the Pizzatarian and there was actually cast members in there. You follow, oh, there you, you go. follow where the, the actual employees are eating, you know. There you go. So, I mean, it's also... Well it's, played. It's, it's, it's save money, too, because, I mean, I'm not rich. Yeah, yeah. I save that money yeah. on most of my eating and then I can eat at the nice places. Uh, yeah, man, you're, you're a Walt Disney Company employee. You're not rich. <laughs> I'm definitely not rich. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so while also there, we already knew that there wouldn't be any fireworks or traditional parades. There were these character cavalcades that were kind of inconsistently and without any kind of real schedule, just kind of wandering around throughout the park. So the ones that uh, the ones that I saw um, and that I saw reports around were. Kind of like um, there was like a Tinkerbell one where she was sitting on top of like this treasure chest filled with coins. And then kind of all around her were just various different, like a random assortment of Disney characters. Um, You know, there was one with all of the princesses. There was sometimes, you know, you would have, uh, I think there was one that was like Gaston on a horse. So, uh, so it was like a, a quick and easy way to still kind of get maybe a little bit of a character experience. Oh, one of the, one of the more unique ones too was, um, was, uh, animal kingdom. They have, uh, it looks like all of the cavalcades are pretty much on boats that are going throughout the waterways there. So, uh, so that was kind of cool and unique, I thought, but yeah, so they're still trying to find those ways to, to interject a little character time, even though you can't take selfies, you can't, do anything really with the characters other than just kind of watch them go by. So, Oh, and there was, there was one, a couple of people, I think I saw this in a Tim tracker video where uh, they had like the evil stepsisters up on the castle, kind of looking down at people and interacting Mm. with, with people as well. So that looked like a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, that's one of, one of the things about Disneyland that I really enjoy that you don't get at Disney World as much is is those characters that are really interacting in the environments and kind of wandering around the lands. And you're not really getting that at Walt Disney World now either. But Stepsisters is kind of a cool um, example of something that maybe you would see at Disneyland that usually you wouldn't see at Disney World. So those kinds of like uh, general public interactive experiences are always good times. Well, that might be kind of the silver lining of this COVID thing is that you'll get um, them to, people will have to think outside of the box to and be more creative to come up with new stuff and we'll actually get, you know, maybe something better out of this, at least something that might, you know, might we might want to stick around after everything is going gone back to normal 
So yeah. I'm sure there will be some point where a lot of these certainly more restrictive uh, uh, procedures that have been implemented start to peel off. But, you know, I, it's certainly safe to say that, like, you're right. Certainly some of the security screenings, probably a lot of the, like, cleaning techniques and cleaning procedures that they've implemented, that's probably going to stick around for a while. So, you know, also, as we're seeing, we have no idea how long this outbreak is going to last. So, yeah, uh, it could be, could be, uh, could definitely be sticking around, but we'll, um, we'll just have to see. But honestly, at least for me, one of the biggest changes and surprises that I noticed while going through all of these reopening reports all had to do with the rides themselves and how they're structured and organized. So we knew that they'd be limiting ride capacity for social distancing and would be stopping the ride vehicles from time to time for cleaning. We just didn't really have any idea in terms of how any of that would affect standby queue time. Is that going to make everything balloon longer? You know, we saw those reports from SeaWorld and Busch Gardens and even to his lesser extent at Universal where we were seeing some pretty lengthy standby times just because they were taking a lot of time to clean those vehicles, which is a good thing. Um, but, uh, but it turns out it really didn't have a really big significant impact on uh, those standby times. So the maximum wait time that we were seeing today, which again, reopening day for the general public was around 45 minutes in terms of a maximum, though um, the 25 minutes seemed to be kind of where that average for the higher end was. A lot of those rides, especially at Animal Kingdom, which is crazy to think about it because, you know, Flight of Passage pretty regularly had like a five minute wait time, which which is insane when you think about it. So, um, you know, I guess kudos to them to not letting that affect too much, uh, you know, those, those wait times and not creating these really long waits. I think one of the concerns that did come up with the cleaning procedures, this came up in, um, and again, in a Tim Tracker uh, vlog that he did, but, you know, it's looking like a lot of these rides, they're only really cleaning the vehicles every two hours and where especially he noted that that was maybe, I think he even called out as, as a little concerning was Buzz Lightyear where they didn't have any kind of protection that people were, um, you know, they didn't have like gloves or anything that people were using. And so they did have, of course, hand sanitization at the beginning and at the end of each ride. But still outside of that, it was like, you know, you have these vehicles where you're touching and interacting with parts that are only getting cleaned every two hours. So he called that out as uh, as a little concerning, I guess. I don't know. Would that be something that would uh, prevent you from riding Buzz? I don't think it would prevent me from riding Buzz, but I think if I had a kid with me, it would. Because yeah. uh, I can control myself a little bit better. Uh, I've gotten to the point with at this point where if I'm wearing a mask, that's kind of like the uh, sign to not touch my face and stuff. And so I think I could actually like, you know, ride the ride and desanitize my, and use hand sanitizer afterwards and be okay. But if I had a, a, a child with me, I would be more concerned about that because 
you know, even if they're being good, not to say that they're being bad or, or acting up, it's still hard to kind of remember not to touch your face, especially uh, when you're on a ride such as that, where a lot of people have. So I think that would be kind of the issue for me. Yeah. It skeeved me out to think about that. Like I, I definitely get a little skeeved out just thinking about it in general, even again, pre COVID days, me, uh, it, the thought wouldn't escape my mind that like, man, again, hundreds of people have touched this throughout the day and who knows what's up with that. But, uh, I, you know, like I said, a little skeevy, but so I probably would skip that if that's going to be the case, but I mean, I get it. I get it if that doesn't bug you, but it definitely, definitely bugs me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I wrote it before all that stuff and I'm sure it was even skeevier than it is now. So, I mean, <laughs> so I think it's just, you know, one of those things though, you really need to be minding your P's and Q's when you get off of it to make sure that while you're on it, you're not touching your face. When you get off of it, make sure you use the hand sanitizing station to, to uh, hand sanitize and then maybe even go wash your hands afterwards. They did have, they did have some hand washing stations throughout the park too. So uh, yeah, that uh, I think for sure, uh, for sure, that would be something I would be, I would be doing cleaning up immediately as soon as I was off that ride. So, yeah, the the other interesting kind of social distancing that I saw on a couple of the rides, but like Jungle Cruise, for instance, not only were they limiting the amount of people that were on each ship, but they were they had plexiglass separators installed, <laughs> so. You're actually kind of separated from from each party. Hmm. Not not sure how effective that would be, but well, I imagine they don't have people sitting in that uh, center seat. I think the plexiglass probably allows for like separating parties easier um, and and guiding them. So, well, that's true. Yeah, better spacing. Yeah. Um, and then we also saw the queues were heavily modified across the parks to better support this social distancing. So this was something that we talked about last week were those kind of more troublesome turnback queues. Um, so, you know, some of these examples that we saw were the opening up of sections for those longer queues. So even if maybe, you know, because everything is so low capacity, normally they would have the queue mostly closed off. But in this case, the whole thing is wide open so that everyone can really maximize that space. Um, the one exception were those areas where there are a lot of really narrow turnbacks. So, um, you know, a few examples that I saw were that they were they were kind of like roping off middle areas or making it so that they would just cut off one of the lines that kind of turned back so that you would have like a full space in between groups um, that would be next to you. So that is helpful. Um, and then they also had plexiglass barriers uh, that were in some of those more congested areas where maybe they couldn't guarantee that you weren't going to be directly next to someone. You would have it looked like plexiglass on top and then it was like a metal barrier on the bottom. So, um, so they had you literally blocked off from everybody else. Well, that's good. I mean, if you can't like not, you know, separate people, you can with plexiglass and metal. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than nothing, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it made me think, I mean, you know, we were talking about Peter Pan in Disneyland specifically because that's such a, uh, that's such a, a, a tight quarters queue. And so I, you know, it'd be interesting to see exactly what they do on that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, my guess is that between low capacity and then they'll probably cut off one or two of those turnbacks and, I don't know, maybe kind of have that line snaking out side the entrance. That was something I saw too, is like if it was just kind of a shorter queue, they had that line kind of snaking up out front with those markers so that, you know, everyone wouldn't be bunched up inside. They have time. <laughs> yeah, right. At this point, they have infinite time. Who knows? Figure it out. Um, yeah. And then the big one for rides specifically any pre-shows that happen in smaller confined areas have been eliminated and converted into standby walkthrough areas. Most obvious of this, of course, certain stretching room that we've, we've talked quite a bit about on this show. Uh, was that surprising to you? No, it wasn't surprising to me, but again, it's something that you can do since it's not really, uh, it's not really a actual like elevator. It's just, it stretches up right. and not down. So um, it's not surprising. It's, you know, I think the, the fact that the rest of the ride they said was fine, was the same. I think it's, it's okay. Um, it's, it's still kind of a, a bummer that, you know, you, you don't get to see it, but uh, I think it's still you know, it's for the best, and the rest of ride is still is still good. So, you know, yeah, I think it's it's certainly. I mean, again, just to reiterate, kind of the point that you brought up earlier, it's like these are not. You know, if you're coming to the park now, you're not somebody that is most likely is experiencing the haunted mansion for the first time. Like, certainly, you would not want to experience the haunted mansion like this if it was your first time ever. Um, because obviously this, that intro kind of spiel, then that stretching room, then that long walkway through the, uh, the interior of the mansion before you even get to those dune buggies, it's all like very fun and, and I don't know if important's the right word, but at least for the entire experience, it's a pretty critical aspect of it. So you wouldn't want to cut that out for anyone's first time on it, but if you've been on it, you know. 10, 20, 30, more than that times, you know, it's, you're, you're not, you know what you're missing out on, right? Yeah. I mean, those parts all set, set up the story and help with the immersion into this, into this world that, uh, the haunted mansion you're, uh, is a part of. So it's definitely missed. Uh, but yeah, it's not something you want to like, it isn't the way you want to experience it for the first time, but as somebody who's been through it, uh, you know, many, many times, something that like I can skip it, I'll, I'll miss it, but, uh, I can live with it, you know? Yeah. Did make me think that if there is a way to skip it at Disneyland, I don't know what that way would be, but if there is a way that they will utilize that. Well, I know they have like ele other elevators, but I don't, I don't know. It would be a weird way because I think they, it would have to involve going through some, some like cast member only 
walkway uh stairway maybe uh which would be weird that they would do that uh, but you know you know you never know uh, or don't put it past yeah. disney to do that i think right now that might be my biggest question going into whenever they you know the eventual reopening of disneyland is like how are they going to handle that i think everything else will probably have a pretty good idea of uh you know, well beforehand, just based off of Disney World's launch, but but that's kind of the one question that I've got the the one burning question that I'm sure I'm going to have up until we get those day one reports from Disneyland. Yeah, we'll 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 have to wait and see, patiently waiting. Uh, so we've gotten the Henry Hall summary of things. I really want that real meat of your thoughts here now, though. So did Disney succeed with their reopening of the parks while in the middle while in the middle of a, of a pandemic epicenter? Or, you know, there's still things to work on. Just what was your general take of how this reopening went? What were those areas that really stood out for you? Uh, I think they were successful in in opening. I mean, considering the situation and everything i think they uh for the most part i think they addressed everything that needed to be addressed but you know there's still some some places that they needed to of course tighten up which i think you're not going to with anything like as we know with say software like you can do all the the checks and tests that you you want you're not going to find everything and there's definitely going to be some stuff that's going to rear its ugly head once you open it up to the public and that's what there's what we're seeing now and considering uh how little we actually have heard of these things how little like reports bad how few bad reports we've heard of, I think uh, we can say that this was a success. Uh, and uh, I think this bodes well for Disneyland because definitely it looks like things are going in the right direction at this point. So uh, it, I think they did their homework for the most part and, and are, you know, doing a good job for the, are doing a good job. Uh, I do think that they needed to like clean up the reservation system though. Having people have a certain time that they supposedly can come in or have this kind of illusion of a time that they are supposed to go into work, uh, go into the parks and yet they can just go in at any time. I mean, that sounds great, but, uh, like what happens if everybody figures that out? Are they going to have this huge uh, congestion of people trying to come in now at, at opening or, uh, or are they going to try and go back and make people force people to come in at the time that re of that reservation? Uh, and that's going to be tough to enforce after you've kind of opened the floodgates. Um, so that's, probably my biggest concern is that hey you told people to be here at a certain time but they can just show up when they want to sounds great but 
what happens when everybody shows up at the beginning or at a certain time. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is just a, it's one part of just kind of the the larger issue of just poor communication that we've had leading up to this point uh, of, of just reopening Disney World. So yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, in terms of just the launch, the relaunch being a success or not, I agree. I think it, it generally was a, as much of a success as it probably could be, um, you know, the few areas that were mentioned and, you know, there's a, there's a few more details we'll go into after in terms of what to look forward to and, and just other kind of little, uh, tidbits here and there. But I mean, generally it, it sounded relatively smoothly. Uh, you know, I do think that part of that conversation and, you know, we've kind of tiptoed around a little bit of it. We've talked more about it in previous episodes, but it, I mean, it is worth having it, or at least just calling out on this is that, you know, ensuring that you have done as good of a job that you possibly can doesn't mean that it's going to all work and that people will not get infected, right? Like Disney could still execute 100% perfectly and they could still still have a major breakout or people come into the park with the virus that isn't necessarily caught for whatever reason that is out of Disney's control, you know, spread it to other people that then go off and bring it back to wherever they're coming from. Um, it's still totally possible. So uh, there was uh, an interview, just to go back to that interview with Josh tomorrow at uh in the new york times he you know there was this general question that was asked of him of like is it even is it even smart right now to be opening your park when the state of florida is a worldwide epicenter for this covid19 virus right and his response generally was like hey we've done everything that we possibly can do to keep people safe and again it still might not be enough, right? We just don't, we just don't know. Time will tell. It's, you know, I almost go back to this kind of thought initially of, you know, we'll check back in a few weeks to maybe longer to see how much of a success it is because, you know, everything seems fine, but if it doesn't prevent what they're trying to prevent, then it's not a success, right? So, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. And it's a thing of their making because they decided to push forward with this, uh, with this opening. Now, certainly the other side of it, and there is another side of it is like, you know, they are with, you know, one of the top, if not the top employers in the state of Florida. So there's pressure certainly from their shareholders. Of course, that's kind of the business side of it, but also I'm sure from their employees that are there's plenty there that are just like, Hey, I'm furloughed. I'm laid off. Like I, I need to work in order to still kind of pay the bills and get paid. Certainly at the end of July, some of these other benefits that, uh, that have been, um, that have been given to people that have been affected by this are going to start to roll off. So things again, start to look pretty complicated. So, you know, it, it it's far from an, an easy and difficult decision on Disney's part. And so, yeah, like we, like we said, it, it, uh, it seems like they're doing everything that they possibly can. It is, you know, 
obviously, as you can imagine, it is a hot topic now all over the uh, Disney World subreddit and other Disney uh, just general discussion places. But, you know, it 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 is, it's a big question. It's like, you know, we've talked about the fact I have this trip here in August. I cannot confidently say I'm going to go on it because even if everything is working properly, it is such a daunting prospect right now to not just travel to Florida, but like be in a theme park <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. And again, it is like one of the worst spots for the pandemic right now in the world. So it, it's a weird prospect, right? It's just, this, this again adds to this weird specter of this reopening. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's like, uh, do I, I mean, it's one of those things where you go in, you have to go into the, a trip to Disney World at this point with your eyes wide open and come to the, and know that regardless of how much stuff that, uh, that Disney puts into place, you are putting yourself at risk, uh, going there i mean you are actively yeah. you know going to a situation where you could potentially become infected uh unfortunately it's like you know it's i mean it's something that we do at when we go to the grocery store but you are definitely taking a much larger risk because you're exposing yourself to more people for a longer amount of time uh other than a trip to say the grocery store where you may be out only like 30 minutes to an hour or so. Um, so uh, I, I don't know if we um, base the success on the opening to like whether there's an outbreak, I think, uh, or do we just base it on the fact that Disney seems to have at least put in all the necessary like safeguards that they can, uh, I, uh, potentially they could put more in as, you know, they find these holes, but I think, I don't know if you, if there's an outbreak, uh, at Disneyland, like, do we consider that a failure or, I mean, cause you, cause we do have our own, uh, like selves. We have to also hold accountable, uh, unfortunately, not everybody is is considerate of their fellow man or woman, of course, uh, fellow persons, you know, in their safety. Yeah. But, you know, also to say to what you pointed out as far as like is Disney would also like the fact that Disney went and pushed forward with this opening, despite the fact that uh, Florida is is such a hotbed for the virus. Yeah. That's hard to say. Like, I mean, what is the responsible thing to do? Like stay closed and watch your employees suffer and not, and, and lose their homes and cause they don't have a way to provide for themselves. And it's, and it's not to say that this is just affecting employees in Florida, could because disney is a worldwide yeah. organization it could impact other employees in other locations too if you know yeah from this so i don't know 
I don't think this is one of those times where there may no not be an actual correct answer for this for that question and it 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 comes to being like a one of ethics and morals and stuff and and that's that's a tricky area to try and navigate. <laughs> well, well, you're right. I mean, it's it and really at this point in time it's it's an almost impossible thing to navigate because we are still talking about hypothetical, right? And until we can get deeper into this and we start getting data back from this first wave and we start seeing stuff uh, or that the area just generally starts calming down, we just won't know. But, you know, to just kind of double back to what you were saying, like, is it a failure if there is a like a major outbreak within Disney World? I think it's a failure. <laughs> I, mean, I think that is that is like a complete failure on Disney's part. And you're right, it may not be necessarily a failure in that it's something that was preventable on their end, but this is the um Ian Malcolm quote of you spent so long thinking if you could uh create it, you didn't think if this is something you should create. I'm I'm sure I'm just butchered that, but basically it's like, you know, of course, like Disney clearly answered the question of, can we do a relatively safe reopening? You can, but should you, <laughs> right? This is, this is the question. And so if we're in a place where through even no act of themselves, you know, expose guests and put guests at risk because they opened when maybe they shouldn't have. And there was a decision to be made of, should we still reopen given the fact that we've had this massive spike that just continues to climb? That is on them. I mean, I think so. I don't know. I don't know like what the, what the outlook is that says like, well, you know, they didn't see this coming. It's like, we've known for the last week or two that like they're spiking like crazy. <laughs> so, you know, they have an opportunity. It might be, it might be ridiculously difficult given, you know, how big of a company Disney is and how slow, uh, a lot of these kinds of changes, like pulling a, pulling a park reopening within a week or two is, is, uh, next to impossible. I'm sure. But, Obviously, it's going to be very nasty if we do hit a point where there is some outbreak and you do have families and small kids that are that are infected and then bringing that home to wherever their home is. Uh, if that's tied back to Disney, man, it's it, it ain't going to be pretty. And I'm not saying it is. Again, we're operating completely in the hypothetical. The flip side is if everything continues to operate great, they were totally right. It's just like, maybe this all ties back to your point of like, we're in a place at least with this kind of question where it's just like, you can't do anything but Monday morning quarterback, right? Yeah. Well, first off, kudos for, for bringing in a uh, Jurassic Park quote in, into this. <laughs> as butchered as it was. Yeah, but we all know it. Uh too, I think uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they, if if there is a outbreak and it's tied to uh, to Disney, oh man, it's there's going to be hell to pay for that. And uh, true enough, it's uh, you know I hate to say it, but 
I believe there probably will at some point be an outbreak. Uh, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be the state of what uh, Florida is in, <laughs> not to just say a yeah. state, uh, is that uh, it'll be harder maybe to even like track that outbreak as it is just because there are there is such a an outbreak going on at this point not to say that they won't be yeah. able to um not to say that there won't potentially there could be like false uh like uh potentially false uh fingers pointed at the Disney reopening, but, uh, you never know. Uh, I think it is, they are gambling. Uh, I think, I think they may have wanted to stop the, the, uh, reopening, but yeah, it is, it is such as trying to stop a wave from crashing on the, on the beach is that once it got rolling at that point, it was just really difficult or, you know, I don't know if they just thought the odds were better to try and mitigate any kind of outbreak or like have how many people who already invested money that and potential like uh, funds that may not be refundable at this point. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. It's 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 a tough thing. And, and they are definitely gambling with some high, high stakes right now. Right. They're gambling. I mean, and they're asking guests to gamble with them. So, you know, I get why people would want to go. I watch and I'm like, man, I'm I'm very jealous of everybody there, especially with low crowds. And, you know, I wish it was a much easier decision to make. I hope it is a much easier decision to make come uh, end of August, mid-August, really, when I've got to make my decision in terms of my trip. But, um, but we'll see, man. Uh, you know, it'll be... The other interesting thing is, you know, uh, for travelers from that tri-state area. So initially, if you were from Florida going into, you know, New York or New Jersey or any of those areas up there, uh, you had to be quarantined for two weeks uh, before you could be out. It's now the the favor has been returned from Florida. So, you know, I know that there are people uh, from New York, New Jersey, that the tri-state area that had planned to attend either this kind of opening week or soon after that aren't able to because now all of a sudden they're on this uh, quarantine list that's been extended until, I want to say it's like September 5th. So it's also quite possible that, you know, you could see other states that start appearing on this list. So who knows, man, it'll be that in and of itself. Like in addition to how we're seeing Disney handle everything, very interesting to see how, uh, how uh, how how this kind of spread of COVID continues, and how Florida as a state continues to deal with it, because you know it's all going to be it's all tied to it. It's all part of that same package. So we'll see, wait and see, man. But uh, but again, to Disney's credit, they did everything that they could have done, and it sounded like generally it went very well. Um, we do have a couple of other small little details that aren't necessarily related to this opening day uh, reaction around all of these reports, but still stuff that was 
um, that either broke right around with it or that were kind of uncovered while people were in the parks. But, uh, but first of all, as you would imagine, Splash Mountain is one of those rides that had those consistently higher wait times with this Princess and the Frog re-theme that Disney announced a few weeks back on the horizon at some point in the who knows when, I don't know, they haven't announced. It does seem like fans of the Song of the South ride adaptation are trying to get one final memento to take home. WDW News Today called out that they spotted numerous guests rope dropping as soon as the cast member preview day to snatch up large amounts of Splash Mountain merchandise. Uh, Some of it, of course, has already found its way to eBay, where Henry, you can grab a set of three plush Brer animals for the low, low price of $315. It's only a little over $300 each. Not bad, right? That's ridiculous. You know, people just trying to like, <laughs> this is this is uh, Galaxy's Edge Spork all over again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, there were also, uh, I think somebody on Reddit had, uh, it was on the Disney World subreddit, they had uh, an image of people with like shopping bags and, uh, or sorry, trash bags filled with Splash Mountain merchandise. They're clearly not putting limits on uh, on anything, but uh, the joke will, of course, all be on them when everything just gets restocked next week. So yeah. uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but while it does seem a little intense, maybe not totally crazy, because again, WDW News Today also confirmed that all Splash Mountain made by you designs have been removed as options at the kiosk. This is kind of like a cool little thing where you select your design uh, from like a computerized kind of screen and then select the merchandise that you want that design to be applied to. So if you're like, oh, I really want this like cool Space Mountain design on the shirt or the Splash Mountain design on a mug, uh, there are no more Splash Mountain designs. So they've already started removing that. Uh, And then Inside the Magic also confirmed as well that the Splash Mountain ride melody has been removed from the Walt Disney World official album on Spotify. So we are starting to see this kind of I mean, this wasn't even a slow pullback. This was just like blink and it's gone, uh, uh, kind of disappearing act of uh, of some of the splash merch. But we are starting to see some of it kind of fade into the distance. Well, I mean, at least they're they're moving on this quickly. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting how they are still like they're pulling all this stuff, but they still have the the merch. But uh, well. We'll see how like how well that merch sells on eBay. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true too. I mean, I, you're getting that backlash right now, pretty hard, of uh, of people online that are freaking out about Splash and kind of overly PC culture and yada yada yada. And so, as a result, you're you're kind of seeing that uh, that kind of gut that gut reaction of just trying to like grab all of this stuff that eventually will be out of print and probably will be worth something, but just maybe a while. And who knows how much, I mean, I'm sure that all of this was just stuff that they had, you know, in the storage uh, compartment before the park shut down. So they may not, um, 
they may not be making any new merch, but there may still be tons of it that they have just in uh, in the background to restock. But yeah, man, we'll we'll see. I think the other funny thing too is you know the general sentiment is like shame on Disney. Now I'm going to purchase all of their merch, <laughs> spend hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to clear out their merch for them, and uh, and really teach them a lesson by reselling it online. And Disney's like, okay. Fine. Enjoy. Yeah. Well, more money to put towards that uh, Princess and the Frog retheme. Well, it's just interesting how, like, uh, people, like, can, they like these or speculate on collectible items. And, yeah, like you said, you know, they, uh, that the, uh, uh, in the future, these things could be collectible and could be very, uh, you know, high priced uh, very expensive but uh i mean but then to who you know people never really think of like well yeah it's if it's it may be worth that much in collectors to collectors but you know if you can't find those collectors or those collectors aren't around can you sell it for that price i mean <laughs> well being one who worked in the comic book industry for a little for a period of time you know i've seen many of people like oh i got this comic and it's like worth a hundred dollars all right but can you sell it for a hundred dollars it may be worth yeah. that much but can you sell That's it true. for that much it doesn't matter if it's worth that much and you can't move it like uh if you really have to move it and sell it you may only be able to find somebody who's willing to pay $10 or you have to also find that right market, the, the right person to sell it or a place to sell it. And there's a lot more into it, uh, particularly for like, even for comic books, you got to get it, uh, CGC graded. So you need to actually go to a place to have it authenticated and then graded and then locked away. So it doesn't get like damaged there's going to be a lot of fake Splash Mountain merchandise out there, too. So <laughs> I you know, didn't even think about that. Buyers beware. Uh, but, oh, my God. But Splash Mountain. <laughs> well, I, I don't even think it's like, I think maybe you're even giving them a bit too much credit in terms of the thought process that's behind it. I think it's very much just that gut reaction of like, this isn't going to be around for much longer, whatever much longer even is, because we have no date that they're going to close or even that that retheme is targeted. But they know that at some point in the not super distant future, uh, that all that stuff is going to go away. So, you know, whether it's now, like I said, this stuff is going up now. So they're not thinking about like, oh, I'm going to hold on and it's going to accrue value over time. They're just trying to flip it as quickly as possible to try to make some kind of profit. I mean, you know, just like what you were saying with not just even the Galaxy's Edge Spork, but when I was there for um, for that opening preview uh, and I was there that first opening week for Galaxy's Edge, you know, there were people that were, as I was heading to Galaxy's Edge in Tomorrowland, there were people that were coming out of Galaxy's Edge with all of this just various different merch, like, you know, Coke bottles that were in those kind of thermal detonator bottle cans and just all sorts of stuff that they had picked up 
because you can only find it at Galaxy's Edge, of course. But they were in the they were still in the park putting up listings and starting to like tally everything that uh, that they had picked up. So you know, I think a lot of these people are just trying to flip it quickly and trying to get whatever kind of profit they can, and that it isn't like that they have a few items or even like, you know, a decent amount of items that are high value as much as just, you know, these people that are leaving with garbage bags filled with merch are all just trying to, you know, it's all in mass that they're trying to make any kind of money off of. So it'll be, you know, 20 extra, 30 extra bucks for something. But, you know, if they have, you know, a few hundred of those items that they're able to, to get that for, then all right, they're making, they're making a decent, you know, profit off of it so you know it's just like this weird cottage industry that's that's formed uh that uh you know on one hand it is totally surprising that disney doesn't try to kind of clamp down on it but uh but yeah it's just it's it it is a very weird thing (laughs) right well i'm i don't know i'm not too surprised that disney is not trying to clamp down on it just because they want to get that they want to get rid of that merchandise, uh, and this yeah. is the best way to do it. Just let it go, and then just shut down the the. Oh, let it go, <laughs> and then shut it down, and then you're you're done with it, and you and you didn't lose any money on it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, is this is definitely people just like trying to like flip it as. I mean, that's the thing to do is flip it now before like the market is completely saturated and then it's going to be harder to yep. even like get rid of it. Uh, yep. But I guess for the uh, collectors who are getting it because they think that in the future it's going to be worth money. Yeah, I mean, sure. In certain crowds it may be, uh, but just be aware it's maybe hard to move that stuff. So uh Either way, if if you're trying to flip it now or trying to flip it later, get it while you can now and, and get out because I guarantee How did this turn into an advice segment from Henry Hall? <laughs> well, hey, all, if you want to flip your Splash merchandise, get it out quick. Well, I mean, it's how the market works. I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it done so many times with like the comic book industry and then like right now that uh, industry has just almost completely collapsed as far as the collectibles. I, I mean, you could definitely still see like books that are super expensive, but I mean, only there's a very small niche of people who are, who are buying these, these books at expensive prices. Uh, Right. So, I mean, it, it's not, going to be something that's going to be in the future easy i mean i guess you could think of it as the uh, beanie baby trend hit it while it's hot and get rid of it and and then and then but don't put too much into it for the future because who knows where that's going to be uh yeah just beware be aware yeah (laughs) get your money now um so we uh a couple of other items 
uh, that uh, something to look forward to, really. So, of course, we still have Epcot with its Food and Wine Festival and Hollywood Studios uh, that are going to take their turn to reopen on Wednesday. So we'll pretty soon get to see what it looks like when uh, when all four parks are up and running all at once. Um, will be really interesting to actually see how those parks handle everything, too. Um, but we do have... Uh, a little bit of news from the from the opening of Hollywood Studios. Uh, we got word that a modified virtual queue will actually be put into place for Rise of the Resistance. There's been a little bit of back and forth on this. Initially, it was no virtual queues, period, uh, for anything, including Rise of the Resistance, and now you know, a couple days before park opening, we're getting word that, no, actually, we are going to have a virtual queue. I guess it's par for the course in terms of how everything's been communicated, but credit to them that they actually did it before the parks open and didn't wait until, like, day of. So I guess I guess that's an improvement. Um, but, uh, but the main difference that we're seeing between that virtual queue uh, that Rise of the Resistance opened with and what we're getting on Wednesday is that you're now going to have three different opportunities to get a spot, uh, to get a boarding pass. So the first is when that park opens at 10 a.m., then three hours later at 1 p.m., and then finally three hours later from that at 4 p.m. So um, so that I think that sounds like a much better system than what currently, or at least what was in place right up uh, until the parks closed, where you basically had to show up right when the parks opened, be there for rope drop essentially. Uh, and then you would know immediately whether or not you, uh, you were going to get a chance to ride and where you were within the queue. So at least with this, you don't necessarily have to be there first thing. Uh, you have a couple of other opportunities if you don't luck out. So that's the way to go. I hope that actually sticks around. Yeah. It's nice to see that there actually are, uh, there are taking into like actually learning from from past mistakes i guess in this case so uh or, yeah. or improving uh the system i should say uh i think too man this is one of those rides that like even with that massive queue because their queue line is massive even without that extended queue that uh that's right off of the entrance to that cave system but such a long queue um i feel like even with that it would still be slammed constantly if they weren't doing that virtual queue system so i'm glad to see this if only because i honestly do feel like it's going to be necessary yeah i think i think for sure <laughs> yeah man so now if if uh, if this modified park opening situation is all sounding great to you but you don't have a ticket and you don't have a reservation Disney has announced that they've resumed sales for both tickets and hotel reservations. So, uh, so initially this was suspended until at some point in the summer speculation was it was going to be later in the summer, but this was a, this was a pretty quick turnaround. Um, interestingly as well, Disneyland resort on the West coast recently announced that they've also now started accepting hotel reservations for August 1st, Onward, I double-checked because I did not believe this to be true. <laughs> and uh, Henry, if you are interested in staying at the Paradise Pier 
in a uh, standard room, you can do that now. You can actually book for $443 a night. Uh, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I mean, crazy that you can do it. So it'll be interesting to see, again, is this just another situation where they're being hopefully optimistic or are they like, do they know that something's going to happen here? It seems like, uh, it seems like this is another situation where they've had so many false starts or at least times where they've communicated out like, okay, well, we're going to start booking now, or you can start booking now, or we're pushing back to here, but you can start booking now, um, that it would be maybe a big disappointment if, uh, if they're now communicating August 1st and the parks are not open on August 1st and we don't even have an announcement by August 1st, or if, uh, if they just have to push everything back again. Well, I mean, it could just be, hey, uh, you want to stay at the Paradise Pier Hotel? They're not promising that the park's going to be open. You just, <laughs> you just are going to be staying at the the hotel. <laughs> so true. That's a good point. Yeah, that's right. That's that. By the way, is the most obvious choice. Is there isn't any promise of the parks opening, so all they're doing is saying that they're accepting reservations. So they've already met their commitment. <laughs> I mean, if if they were going to open, it would be they probably would make an announcement fairly soon. That was my thought. That basically, like, yeah, if uh, if that's really what they're thinking, man, they better get they better get on that announcement. But I don't know. They have the specter of the state that's really uh, that's really influencing this. That was the reason why they had to push out the July seventeenth planned opening was because the state wasn't even looking at. Uh, looking at any kind of park plans for approval for the state of California. So I don't know if that's changed. Part of me feels like because we're still surging that, uh, that the state is not looking at any kind of proposals or or considering that, but, but I don't know, maybe not, maybe they are, maybe Disney knows something that we don't. I highly doubt they are. Cause I just keep seeing, (laughs) I just keep seeing things, uh, like, uh, areas and cities like closing like uh bars and stuff and and even uh i think i just recently saw a thing where uh apparently the berkeley in oakland shut down out outdoor dining at this point uh so um i don't know i don't i don't think they are i don't think they are looking at these type things i think they i think they're just getting people to sign up to or getting reservations to uh, stay at the hotel uh, regardless whether the uh, parks are open or not. Yeah, maybe man. Uh, But speaking of Disneyland, even though the parks themselves are still closed for the foreseeable future, downtown Disney had a reopening of their own on the ninth. So technically there is an aspect of the Disneyland resort that is open. Uh, California still does have, just as we were talking about, a ban on indoor dining in effect, but that didn't stop people from lining up well in advance to be some of the first to revisit the 12 dining spots and 12 retail shops. Now, as you would expect, World of Disney was the one spot that just about everyone wanted to get into, so Disney was limiting how many people they were allowing in at once in order to get even in the store. 
You had to wait in a physical queue so that you could then sign up for a virtual queue. Uh, and multiple reports did call out early in the day that those that did get into the world of Disney's store definitely witnessed some chaos with people rushing throughout the various aisles and not socially distancing themselves. So this was kind of your nightmare that you had talked about, Henry, that uh, that with the kind of aisles being positioned and even I think we felt better about world of Disney than we did about the stores in the park. But even with world of Disney, the way that they had set up with their massive indoor area, still a little bit of chaos. Yeah. It's one of those things where a a lot of times stores, they try to maximize how much space they have to sell as much merchandise as they can. So it's, very difficult to social distance when you actually get into a store to do shopping. So it's, it sounds like they did not remove stuff to make more room for people. Yeah. But uh, I guess that was kind of, I mean, that's what I expected would happen. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all, this is also the uh, double edged sword of creating this limited edition merch that you can only get at, Disney at a, at a Disney store, right? Is that people then get crazy and want to ensure that they're the ones that are able to snap up stuff that's available. So, uh, so yeah, I guess that's what we saw. <laughs> snap up, Not great. snap up stuff. They can only get a Disney store so they can go back on eBay and resell it. <laughs> that's true. Henry Hall. If, uh, you can be the proud owner of a, Disneyland spirit Jersey for the low, low price of $400. Uh, No, that's not true. That's not true. I made that one up. Um, Though I'm sure you are going to start seeing, what is it? Anniversary merch pretty soon. And I think you were even starting to see some of it there. So, yeah. So I think that's probably what, uh, what a lot of people were going for. Yeah. For the 65th. Crazy man. Um, And uh, also just a quick note inside the magic did visit the next day and reported surprise, surprise, much smaller crowds. However, world of Disney did still end up implementing a virtual queue when the physical line did start to grow a little bit longer. I think initially that first day I was seeing that, uh, that that queue extended all the way out through the Esplanade. Sounds like it was much better that second day. Yeah, I can believe that. Um, And finally, We're going to wrap things up at a couple of international Disney parks. So Henry, do you want to know the good news or the bad news first? Uh, good news. So it has been confirmed that the Disneyland Paris railroad will be opening along with the park on July 15th. The train system was last open on November, 2018, before entering an extended refurbishment. And if that is not the definition of extended refurbishment, I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, and then also Tokyo Disney Resort seems to be satisfied with how things have been going since they reopened almost two weeks ago because they're releasing even more tickets for July. So they're feeling pretty good. They're extending their, uh, they're opening up their park capacity. So that's a success story for sure. Now for the bad news. Tokyo Disney Resort has also announced that they've canceled all of their holiday events for the remainder of 2020. So no Halloween, no Christmas, 
and no New Year's programming. And according to Japan's national broadcast organization, NHK, this also includes all seasonal merchandise, food items, and even decorations. Henry, that's rough, man. That is, that really sucks. That's brutal. That's brutal. That's that's the hard pill to swallow. I mean, I could understand canceling the events, but then not doing the uh, food items or the decorations. That's uh, that's 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 rough. I'm worried, man. I got to be honest with you. This this really worried me. I think uh, I think this is probably the harbinger that we are. I think this, in addition to the cancellation of Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween, in addition to the fact that we keep getting, I mean, it makes sense that Oogie Boogies is, there's no announcement around that because we don't know when the park is going to be open. But the fact that that just keeps getting pushed and we keep getting no news around that, I think this is a situation where no news is bad news, my friend. Well, I mean, I understand the events, but why do you have to cancel the decorations and the food items? Yeah. I mean, that doesn't make sense to me that, I mean, it's like you're like basically just saying like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand the ju- <laughs> just going through it. My friend, I can hear, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the justification for that is other than it costs money to put those decorations up. Um, yes. And that's, that's the saving grace for it is that you save that money, but potentially, I mean, I, I don't know if it would actually hurt uh, ticket sales at that point, but you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what that, the uh, repercussions of, of doing that really exist at this point, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it's it's a tough pill to swallow regardless. And even think about it is pretty wild. Uh, so I, I I did the exact same thing you did. And I started, I really thought about like, what is, what would be the justification if they were to do this exact same thing over uh, in the U.S. parks? What would be the reason? Uh, and I mean, you called it out. It would be, it would be a money savings thing. So, uh, you know, I mean, certainly it costs something to install all of these, be they overlays or just decorations or um, food items. All of that costs something. Um, I don't know how much it would be, but it is something. I imagine that there's probably additional cost in just keeping them up and running with additional maintenance, probably. Um, You have to do additional kind of, you know, uh, there's just like ancillary stuff that I I would imagine all adds up. Um, And so then the question is exactly like what you're talking about. Well, like what does, what's the, like, what does Disney risk by saying that like all of our theming, holiday theming is canceled. And if we're just to take Disneyland, for instance, um, you know, with that with so many people being annual pass holders, I think it's very easy to look at their audience and say, well, 
a large portion, if not a majority, I, I, I don't remember the number off the top of my head. I want to say majority of park visitors that do go there are annual pass holders in some capacity. They have some level of pass, but you know, e- even if that's not the case and just a large portion of their kind of guest uh, population is annual pass holders, that's money that's already spent. Like having people in the parks, I mean, there is additional money that's spent by by annual pass holders when they visit for sure. They're going to spend more money on merch, but the fact that they're they already know that they're going to have lower crowds coming in means that, you know, Disney's not able to print everything in bulk the way that they normally would, whether that's like merch or whether that's, you know, food or whether that's whatever, like, you know, they save money by just by making just a ton of it at a time because they're confident that there's enough crowd flow coming in that they'll make those sales. But now when you're cutting how much merch you're making of a certain product or you're cutting the amount of even like ingredients that you have to buy for food items, all of a sudden per item, it becomes more expensive. And if you're talking about making those items available to a very slim group of people, which is what this park capacity sounds like it's going to be in October, November, probably December as well. Now, all of a sudden it's sounding like maybe it's even, you know, there, it might, you might have additional incurred costs that you normally wouldn't if you were running at full capacity because everything costs more to make all of a sudden. Right. So, um, so that's kind of where I was landing with it is just like, you know, from, from Disney's perspective, again, I don't even, I think it's just a lost year, right? Like a big part of getting the parks up and running period is just like, so that they can start to get those gears running and start getting a lot of these processes figured out and worked out so that by the time they get into next fiscal year, that like the machine is moving forward and it may still be at a reduced capacity, but at least it's moving much more efficiently um, and it's moving towards the greener pastures of tomorrow. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's just, I, I think they would look at it as just like, well, why not? (laughs) Why not cancel it? It's going to be a bummer. This is like this year just sucks. If you are just, it just sucks, period, right? But, uh, but you know, I could totally see how they would look at it as just like, listen, we're giving them a giving them a park. That's people are going to be very happy just to be back, uh, and they'll understand. I think that's also part of it. They'll understand if there is no, uh, if there is no like holiday decorations. People will understand. Like honestly speaking. I get it. I would understand if they were just to be like, listen, ain't going to happen this year. I would get it. I would be disappointed, but I would get it. Yeah. Well, I think uh, what happens when they do something like, well, we're not going to have the decorations this year and we're not going to have the treats anymore. Um, the events I've kind of written off myself, so I I haven't been expecting those to come back. But the decorations and the uh, treats, even just, I guess, just the decorations themselves, I probably go, well, do we go this year? Probably not. 
at that point, I yeah. probably just call it off. And yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think they may uh, just expect like, oh yeah, we're we're just lost. I think what happens is you wind up in the long run. They do take more of a hit, I think, because I think I think the decorations and the treats and stuff has become much more of a thing because obviously it's become much more of a thing because there was a point when they didn't have it and now they've now it's something that they've actually at some point put money on made people pay extra to experience yeah. so um yeah uh, i don't know uh, you know it's it's much more of a thing people are expecting and maybe even make uh trips around at least in uh in california to uh experience than maybe in walt disney world and maybe even tokyo disney but uh i don't know I mean, I'll wait and see before I, like, make, you know, I guess I have to wait and see regardless, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, and so, and to be clear, I mean, you are talking for yourself as somebody that is at least theoretically anyway, (laughs) you can't make any official plans yet, but like is possibly, and if the parks are open, quite probably planning a trip down there for this, right? Yes. So, yeah. So, I mean, it makes it makes total sense that that's kind of your perspective. I, I think I get it. The question that I have, and it's the question that, again, like I've, I've felt more strongly as time has gone on with how Disney is structured and handled this is it's, it's almost like, are these openings more for the guests or is it more for like internal, uh, you know, internal processes and just getting everything moving internally so that they're better positioned next year, you know, like getting that machine moving forward. Certainly it is a guest park. It is a guest focused experience and a guest focused park. So, you know, of course guests are important to it but like what's the priority is the priority getting money from guests that are there or is the priority getting the machine started and if it takes a little bit takes a while for the machine to get started and if there are disappointed people along the way as the machine is starting if all of that leads to a better next year for them where things are operating smoother, where a lot of these processes have been figured out where, you know, from their perspective, again, maybe they're able to kind of get employees paid, keep, you know, prevent from furloughing and laying off more people, you know, from their perspective, that I could see where they could line with like, yeah, it's acceptable that guests are going to be disappointed. I think they're already there, man. Like they're already at that point where you have people that have lots of people that have decided that it's just not worth it to go because of the various different restrictions and aspects of the experience that are just not happening at the moment. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are already in that boat and, you know, they're already there. So it's kind of like, 
we're going to get more disappointed people this year, but like, I think also from their perspective, they'll be back next year. If things are moving and they have Halloween going, people will be back for it. And like I said, I, I think from, from just a like acceptance level, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of cold to think of it as like brand acceptance, but as like a fan acceptance, right? Like, again, I, I mean, speaking for myself, like I can understand where they're coming from. It's like, yeah, that's like, this is just trying to make sure that the wheels are back on the bus and that the bus can move forward. Like, right. The bus can stop when it's supposed to and start when it's supposed to and like not kill all of the passengers inside. <laughs> that's priority number one for them. Uh, and then once that's working, then it's like, okay, we're going to hit every stop along the way. Well, I mean, yeah, I can see that, but I think my one, uh, kind of my one take back from that would be that, well, if, if it's really about getting the gears going and, and not making money necessarily being the focus, why would you open up now? When, especially for Magic Kingdom, where you're in a hotbed epicenter of of COVID outbreak right now, how much you are risking, is it really, really worth that risk if you're just trying to get the, the wheels turning? I think you would wait till later, at least until after, like, the outbreak, the current, like, just influx is wait to the line at least isn't going up anymore and it's flattened out more instead of the curve you know always going up you'd wait to that point because there's nothing to be gained if you uh get some bad press because of an outbreak linked to your opening so i think from that point i would say they need me they need to make money so i think it behooves them to Put, I mean, to have merchandise and get people wanting to spend money, uh, and and but I mean, your uh, your point does definitely have merit, but I think considering all the signs of what is to come of this year, they could have opened up in November or December because this thing isn't going to go away before the end of the year more likely so they could have at least had they still would have had like two months or even a way to open up next year uh and in january and february where people don't have expectations of decorations or events or treats january and february nothing really going on then you could safely open you know, and you could experiment all you want. And usually the crowds are smaller at that time too. So it's, that would have been probably the ideal time to open up unless you really needed that money. Yeah. I, I, again, it's it. So it's, it's a question of long, long term and short term because short term, you're right. Like opening now is not go it, opening now does give them short term money. But again, they're not being profitable. They're not profitable until I think they were saying, I think whatever we were talking about this a few weeks ago, they're not profitable operating, operating those parks until they're at least over 50% uh, 
that's still a ways away. They're not close to that right now. So right now they're operating those parks in the red and you're totally right. They could have waited until later uh, into the year or into next year when they could have operated those parks at 50% capacity where they are making a profit. Right now it is costing them more than what they're bringing in to have these parks open. So again, I think it is about getting this machine moving forward so that next year or whenever it is that they are at 50%, they can hit the ground running and that all of these policies are in place. And so uh, regardless though, this is one of these questions that, uh, that Disney will answer, right? Like we are at least in agreement that they're not going to make a decision that they feel like is going to, financially harm them right so if they if they come forward in like two weeks let's say and say like guess what we're in lockstep with tokyo disney and like all seasonal entertainment and decorations and whatever are canceled that answers the question in terms of where that priority is right Mm -hmm. for sure so i mean we'll get we'll at least get an answer it's not like this will be kind of it's not like this is uh part of that other question of uh can you and should you, this will actually have a very clear answer of in terms of what they do. And like, to be totally clear, I hope that they do. Like, I'm of course, like, I don't have any financial obligation or financial gain for Disney making the smart monetary choice. So like, yeah, I want as much guest experience as possible. I'm really disappointed about all the stuff that got cut. I can understand why they would do it, but like it's disappointing from a guest perspective. So I want them to be able to like to roll out the red carpet and especially after being closed for so long, welcome the people with as much pomp and circumstance as they can afford to do um, to all of the fans that like have not only stuck by them, but are willing to take the risk and visit the park in a climate like this. So that means that, You know, there are holiday decorations and Halloween decorations and a Halloween overlay. Then like, yeah, dude, I'm all for that. I am. I again, I have serious concerns that that is a view that is also shared by Bob Chapik and others. And and to be also very clear with Tokyo, we shouldn't take this as too much of an indication. They are owned by uh the Oriental Land Company. So they, again, kind of do their own thing. So it's totally possible that th- th- that does not carry over here. But Not uh, to mention, it's a it's a different country with a different culture where they may not put as much of uh, value on Halloween or the holidays as we do. I know they do to some degree, but not <laughs> <laughs> not to the degree of like the, they may uh, not. They do, but they may not. Well, I mean, they put a value to it, but it's not the same. Like you know, it's not. They celebrate it in a different way in a different for different reasons than we do so uh it's been it's been heavily commercialized by uh by uh american companies so yeah for sure it it makes total sense um but we'll see i mean i i'm totally with you man it will be very disappointing but the way that the year is shaken up man like i wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point like if i mean it is very realistic it's not out of the realm of possibility that this isn't even something that we have to uh, 
even think about for Disneyland. I mean, who knows when that park's going to be open? It's quite possible that they could totally miss Halloween. And if that was the case, like it, it, at this point, man, I wouldn't be too shocked by it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think I would be shocked as I'd be more just so like demoralized. My morale for yeah. the year would just go, you know, fall through the floor at that point. Just because at this point, the only thing I have to look forward to this year is is Disney decorations uh, from. Uh, Halloween at Disneyland, hopefully. Uh, all the other like events that I normally like visit and happen. I mean, I guess there's still like Christmas, but I don't even know what Christmas is going to look like this year. Uh, you know, it's 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 going to be a, a sad Christmas for a lot of people and, uh, and who have lost their jobs and all of this stuff. And uh, and like right now, like it need like a real moral a real morale boost and and at least that is something that could come in the form of the decorations at disneyland that hopefully uh uh are still put on this year but not to say that i would be i wouldn't be surprised if they are you know called off but i would definitely be super disappointed at this at this point man what what if uh what if they were like all right We've got some bad news for everybody. No holidays, but we do have some good news. The muffaletta sandwich is back at Cafe Orleans. Mm, I mean, I'd be I'd be happy, but I still wouldn't go. I mean, well, uh, Lori and I talked about it, and <laughs> she actually brought up the muffaletta no, sandwich. Uh, well, <laughs> actually, talk about that all actually, the time. Uh, it, it was discussed with the in-laws because uh, the mother-in-law wanted to order a famous muffaletta from uh, Gold Belly, but uh, <laughs> mm. uh, but anyways, the uh, Lori and I talked about actually if they don't put on the uh, the decorations for Halloween, maybe instead of going in holidays, uh, well around Halloween or the holidays, we push out a trip maybe. Maybe till um, uh, February or March, but uh, but even that is kind of like uh, it, it wouldn't have the same feel. But I don't know. Yeah, well, it's it's an it's an annual thing for you guys, right? Yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Dang man, well, f- what what is it with us ending this show on a downer? Bring, you got anything to bring everything up? Uh. Leave me, leave me feeling good. Hey, there was talk that a new Tron movie, Tron Three, is still still a consideration at this point. Uh, yeah, the exec of uh, when who was in charge of the music for Tron uh, Legacy said that uh, the time for a new Tron movie is now, and that uh, there was already a script for Tron Three that they actually already liked. It's just about getting like. Daft Punk and some people uh, it ready and available, but sounds like uh, there's still the possibility of a Tron three. Yeah, that's right, man. I this week being as crazy as it was, like that came and that went right out of my mind. But you're right that uh, that was crazy news, man. I hope it does happen. It's one I really liked that second movie. I will admit, 
I went back and rewatched it not too long ago. Didn't quite hold up as much as I hoped it would. I, I, I that kind of, uh, it was just, you know, it, I don't know if the story kind of felt like it was overly long as opposed to like very tight, which is what I wanted. I wanted like a nice tight, really kind of a fun story, but it, uh, I mean, it was still good times. I like that. I like that kind of look of that world. And of course, yeah, Daft Punk is good times. So, I mean, I'm there. It's, it's definitely a very stylized movie. I felt that it fell too far from the original because I felt like the yeah. original movie felt like it was completely different from our world. Uh, but the Tron Legacy world felt like a, a, normal world within the computer so like like normal physics were the same you had like rain the same you had people peeling out but like in the original original tron they couldn't peel out they they had instant physics they didn't have the same physics so it felt more more different um but that being said, like while I I felt that it was is very different from the first Tron, it was still like a very stylized, very like different. Uh, well, it had a, a really nice feel to it uh, that I would like to see explored a bit more. Although I do want to see yeah. Flynn in it, <laughs> I still want to see Flynn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got to be in there. Yeah, I want to see uh, Tron back. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Him too. But, uh, yeah, I guess my, I just felt like it was one of those things too, where it was like, there was too much mythology around that they started building where it was like, you know, Olivia Wilde's character where it was like, oh, she's like a bite that was like one of the original founders of the world. It was like, okay, all right, let's stop. Let's just, let's just dial it back a little bit. Let's get right back to like what we're all here for. And let's cut this, uh, cut this kind of like mythology world building. That's just. It's not necessary for this movie. I felt it was, that's where it was like, it felt like it was too much. You're trying to, you're trying to push it here. I felt like the story wasn't there. That was kind of unnecessary uh, for the story. Um, It kind of diverted from what I really want, really wanted to see. Um, So yeah, I, I agree. Olivia Wilde's character didn't really add much to it and so what's gonna happen i'm gonna predict it right here for you henry you ready for this sure this is all gonna be synergy and and you can uh you can pass this on to the higher ups but uh this is what this is how everything's gonna work so it's neutron movie it's gonna be put into production in addition to this we already have this tron coaster at magic kingdom so whatever but they are gonna build New Tomorrowland at Disneyland to be in sync and as marketing synergy with this new Tron movie. So we may not get that Tron coaster. I'm I'm not convinced it's going to fit, but we'll get something that's just as awesome. And the entire Tomorrowland will be themed around Tron. I'm predicting it. And I cry shenanigans. I don't think they'll do the whole world based on Tron, but you might have a Tron experience within a new Tomorrowland. But uh, I wish they would do a whole Tron land. But uh, yeah, I don't think it would happen 
given. I know you're trying to feed me something, but I, I'm not biting. So it has been said. <laughs> so it will be done. That just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to keep making content just like this, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been episode 24 of The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week. Stay healthy, everybody. Henry, you take care, big guy. Me too. Stay healthy, everybody. Please wear your head masks. Yeah, wear that mask. All right. Bye.